Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Questioning Existence with Matthew Barry. Directed I'm, I'm by Corey Alvarez. I'm over here in the control room. Directed by Corey Alvarez in the control room. Directed by Hi. It's me, Corey Alvarez. On this episode of Questioning Existence, Matthew interviews Rachel on topics that will be discussed. On this episode. I'm just going to say it. I felt so good at the end of this episode. I felt like we really did something that was uh, worth creating. Yeah, I think this is, you know, this is a mover and shaker right here. Woo! This episode's spicy. Woo! If you get those words it's coming like, from the director, Corey it's like, Alvarez. It's like, it's like I just got back from Oaxaca, Mexico, and I ate the spiciest mole they have. Habanero pepper. I don't like habaneros. Pickles. I'm sorry. All right. Anyways, uh, we got a good one for you today. Episode one of Questioning Existence. Here it comes. All right. Welcome to Questioning Existence. I have my friend Rachel here, and how are you doing tonight, Rachel? Hello. Yeah, we're currently <laughs> being stood up by our guest podcaster, David, and Rachel is our guest artist tonight, and before I was thinking of a different format for the podcast, but you've just helped me really figure out how to just keep going with it. And um, it seems like way more in the flow for me and you to talk about this because uh, this is really an idea I came up with um, recently, really because of the talks me and you are having about uh, questioning our existence. And I'm wondering if uh, I can talk to you kind of about what's going on in your life or you could give us an update of what you've been uh, existing in this last year. Yeah. Um, it's been a very intense year, um, over the summer I had a feeling that I was just extremely, like, depressed, I was, like, on the floor, couldn't move, and I just had this feeling that something bad was gonna happen towards the end of the year around like winter time and I didn't know what it was exactly but I knew that it was going to affect me but it wasn't going to be me and I knew that there was going to be a lot of death and um I kind of just kept living you know just kind of seeing what was happening because I knew I couldn't control anything and then um a few days after Christmas my dad committed suicide and um it was extremely shocking and traumatic and um you know then our friend celeste had texted me two days after asking about what medications had helped her uh, had helped me with um, my suicidal thoughts because i had a long past of being suicidal and many suicide attempts and um you know it was just like the timing of everything was really weird and then sure enough like Celeste ended up committing suicide as well exactly a month after my dad and um 
So it's definitely been a trip. There's been a lot of reflection, a lot of like having to reach out, which isn't something that I usually do. I usually tend to go inwards and isolate, but also like paint a lot and yeah. just go into it's the like outlets. The, right? Yeah. Go into the depths of it. But like, you've been teaching me the importance of community because it's like, it turns out that everybody is having the same thoughts towards suicide as I am too, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's what's been so cool is for, um, for us to talk openly about these subjects and questioning our existence in life and, and what it's like to question your existence. Because when you tell people that you're questioning your existence, then, um, I know for me, when I was all hyped up in my Coachella vibe, if somebody all of a sudden is talking about wanting to off themselves, that's like the bad vibe and that bad vibe can't really be held many places other than like with people who are, um, you know, friends, family, the people that are really there, but there's a lot of people out there that don't have those tools to create those relationships in themselves. So their life is, you know, their contracts aren't really being fulfilled and they're just doing this like day to day as existence that it just seems, you know, kind of futile. And I honestly don't think, I don't understand how anybody could survive through day-to-day existence it's not something that's ever made sense to me I've always like questioned so much of society and the way that we do things because it's like for me I see that it the only way that I can survive is if I'm living in passion because it's like passion is like what fuels me but it's like Mm. passion and creation is all so connected, you know? Well, uh, tell me what you think about this. I was at a Breathe Degrees. Um, it was right before Celeste, uh, before we found out Celeste was missing. And um, I had just gone through a divorce with Saren, met you, met new friends, but then I, you know, relapsed on my old relationship and my old relationship values as well. It was very similar projection and all of a sudden we were romanticizing the same sort of thing. And when we broke up, I decided I was going to do it differently. And I went to breathe degrees and learned how to really get into my breath. And it was really, really helping up until uh, the news came. But when I was breathing, I was feeling like God and all this power and you, you like totally like clinch just like the Wim Hof breath. And then you just feel this like internal love inside your chest. And you're like, wow, this, this breath work, this is really the, really the stuff now. And, um, then this guy comes on the megaphone and he says, the only thing you need in life is food, shelter, and companionship. Other than that, your life is just meant to be lived in the purity of this present moment. And it just got me. I was like, all right, food, shelter, companionship. That's all I need now. And I think that he lays out a fundamental one that you just showed me. Like, I also need passion. I also need um, my art. And whatever that art is, I think it always is passion, whether it's a physical art, whether it's a mental art. And then if it's actually just art being fucking art with paints and colors and all that stuff, it has to be expressed. And uh, I know that's something that you really try to channel with your art. 
um, do you consider your art to be something that is like of this realm or is it from, you know, a different realm that you're channeling and, and do you feel like it is an outlet for some of those kind of deeper feelings that people would be like, Oh, that's a, that's a harder vibe. I don't know if I can really hang with that one at Coachella. My favorite thing is like seeing people's reactions to my paintings. Um, especially when it's something that looks just like a simple or not simple, but just like shapes and colors, you know, something abstract. Like my favorite part is when they actually really look at it for a while and then it hits them and they're like, whoa, and they start crying. And I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is it. Like, because, you know, that's why I love like abstract art um, or just like surrealism. But also I feel like a lot of my art is a combination of like, other dimensions as well as this dimension for me I pick up on what I see in the world and what I experience and I paint how I feel and my experiences of what I see because I know that what I see isn't what most people see day to day and it's just like you know kind of a way for me to express my mind and my mm. point of view but then also sometimes I'll get like inspirations from um dreams or nightmares or like different realms that I visit and then I'll try and bring them back into a painting that's beautiful that's so beautiful I love when art is channeled and it brings like a different part of us with it you know and whether you're communicating with your dreams or not, like what is the therapeutical aspect of art? Why does it help? Like what does it release? Like say, you know, to someone like me, normally my lowest points are, um, for me, I'm like totally, you know, unique, just like each one of us. But I probably have a really similar thing where I wake up sometimes and I just feel it in existential like dread, of facing today and that's getting a lot better um as I've gotten older but sometimes at night if I spend too much time by myself I can really start like dozing off into like a place and I wonder what the experience of making art is to you because I know what it is to me <laughs> I think that it just kind of depends on the emotion that I'm feeling or what I'm going through because it's like sometimes I need to be working with clay sometimes I need to be working with wood sometimes I need to be throwing paint all over my house yeah and getting my whole body in it and my clothes covered in paint yeah. and then the lately my biggest kind of huge I call it my art therapy sessions and I took this huge mural that I had done an oil paint over like basically the whole summer I'd worked on it and I just cut it up and was like, I'm just going to 
string this together now and hanging it around from bamboo or something and it's just like but then i took the those pieces and was like throwing them against each other with paint in order to get the paint everywhere and so it's like for me if i'm needing to release anger then it looks angry when I'm painting, yeah. but like if I need to release sadness, then it's usually a longer process. But like it always kind of just depends. Like I don't know what I need until I pick something up with my hands and feel yeah. it out. Yeah. And like also this whole year I've been starting a series um, that I'm going to be working on around the idea of stairs because for me, like when my dad jumped, he landed in a stairway and that's been the biggest mm. visual. Um, that's just traumatic, you know, and it's not mm. pleasant thing to have engraved into your mind. And so it's like for me this year, I'm dedicating to like recreating the concept of stairs to be able to chi- like change that vision for myself of my dad's death. <sighs> So the one I'm working on right now is um, Stairway to Heaven. That was actually his favorite song to play on the guitar. But yeah. um, Yeah. And so it's going to have like stairs going up to trees and trees with stairs and then going up to heaven. Yeah. And I want to talk about your dad a little bit. Like it seems like he was this beautiful artist, but he was also a really prestigious doctor. And you had told me that he, like, had a very well-rounded career. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about, like, what his type was? Because yeah. I know a little bit about him, and I think that uh, just bringing him into the conversation is kind of, like, appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a world-known doctor. He did a lot of research with hepatitis C when... Um, they're trying to come out with, I mean, and I mean, me talking about the medical stuff, like I don't really understand it or know a lot about it, but all I know is that he saved so many people's lives and he was an amazing doctor. And like, especially from where he started, I mean, his first language was Spanish and he paid his way all the way through med school and then was end up at USC. So where did he originate? Um, he was, he was born? born in Chicago, but he, uh, grew up in Miami. Got it. Got it. Cool. Um, so w- let me backtrack just a little bit. Cause I wanted to touch on the, the manic behavior of, of the release of the painting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I know that like when you're in that movement and you're you're flowing around and you're you're throwing stuff at the wall and moving about that it can get like crazy in the head and then like everything just like gets around like what emotions are like out of bounds at that moment um so it's interesting because a lot of the times while i'm painting I'm actually not feeling any emotion. Um, I don't feel it until I stop Mm. and sit with it. And it's also like for me, that's how I process how I'm feeling. Because once I finish something, then it has gone through the whole process for me. Because I don't even know most of the times how I'm really feeling 
unless I like stand and paint for a while and then whatever comes out, whatever colors I use or shapes I use, that's how I know how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So do you feel like in overall, cause you were saying that like you kind of wait for the emotions to bleed out to the end at the end. Is there just this like overarching emotion you feel from it or is it the painting emotion? Like, is it unique to that actually what happened right then? Or is it something you can like describe with our um, stupid language with, you know, it's literally just like a high. <laughs> it's like a high. Yeah. It's, yeah, like, it's like a its total own, high. It's yeah. Its it's like, flavor. it's very addicting. Like I was actually just talking the other day about how I should start setting alarms on my phone to like get myself to pull out of my painting world. Cause I mean, everybody that knows me and has come by my house, they'll know that I'll just like be painting all day and then they'll come over and they're like, have you eaten or drink any food today? Like yeah. you look like cracked out. And that's, that's like a normal artist thing to do. Like when yeah. I was living in LA and I was just always on my computer making music, just like a manic person. And yeah. I, I would say the flow can be very manic. Yeah. When I, when I start to flow, I don't know what might come out or mm. like what emotion is going to get stirred to the surface. But I try to, organize it the best I can and try to not make it as big of a mess because I have gone into the flow and I've made really big messes Mm. and like I believe that it's it's a messy messy world but cleaning up those messes afterwards uh is there a place in your life right now that you like have seen that you've cleaned up when it comes to like your artist field, just because you've gotten to be, you know, Rachel, because I know it's been four years since you got sober, if I can openly say. Yeah. Um, and that's so radical that you don't drink anymore. And so what's it like as an artist to have that freedom to not to, to you know, to have some of your your organizational skills, your T's and I's put together into it it definitely (laughs) makes it a lot more um enjoyable but also so much more present and a lot better quality art like I mean I didn't start making as much money from my art as I did in the past like year or two you know like I actually and now it's actually becoming something that it's like okay if I can understand business in any way, <laughs> you know, yeah. then that I could actually be like supporting myself through that, which is like mm. unbelievable. And not only that, like I was terrified to go back to school because I was such a mess that I would constantly get in trouble and get kicked out and couldn't stay at the hospital and stuff. So it was like, you know, college didn't work for me. But then after being sober for a while, I was like, you know, I want to be an art therapist. And so I started to go back to school, which has been fun. And then I got a job through school. So it's like, you know, it's all kind of pieces come together and it's all kind of surrounded around art for me. And I know that for me, it also just has to do with knowing part of my purpose in life, you know, purpose driven life. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Can you tell us about your job? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am a nude model for the art class. And it is actually 
so fun. I love it so much (laughs) because it's like at home. That's how I'm most comfortable is naked. And um, this is true. Like I've gone over for a (laughs) cup of tea with Rachel before like hitting a meeting or catching a breeze and she'll just be in or out of her clothes. And yeah, I love that because I think that that's natural state for all human beings is just to be in that flow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do that around family too, like family <laughs> friends, and you know, not a lot of people are used to it, but it's it's special to me because for me, I get a lot of my inspiration through the natural form of um, the woman and also mm. nature, especially trees, and wow. so it's like, you know. Most of the women that I paint come from a combination of like imagination, but most of the times it's me. And so I know how to paint myself because of like just setting out different poses. And so it's like to be able to help other people, like if I can create a space where they don't feel uncomfortable by looking at a nude model so that they can learn and, you know, understand the female form then that's just what I try and do and like I try to make them know like I'm not just some goddess sitting up on the stage in front of you like I'm just one of you you know like try to make it as least awkward as possible yeah 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 that's that's so cool it's for some people and I know you know this that that would be the most terrifying nerve-wracking experience of their entire life uh, even yeah. in a moment. and Oh, for me, it would have been... Did you ever have years. nightmares of being I, naked I mean, in front of people? Like, Yeah, like <laughs> that would have been such a nightmare because I'm also in recovery from anorexia. And so it's like, you know, for me to have my body seen by other people, yeah. like that was like no fucking way. And, mm. you know, it just shows how much like I've been able to work through my struggles but also how much i've learned to um just have a total change in perspective Mm, because it's all really just art yeah 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 and it's all just a whole bunch of lines and shadows and shades yeah yeah textures yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you mentioned uh anorexia and i it always strikes a chord when anybody mentions anorexia to me because i have like this weird form of eating disorder that like I don't like to mention because I know I don't want to get diagnosed and all these things but when I get really depressed like I end up overeating to the point where like I can shut down my entire body with uh, that's like one of the most normal reactions yeah that's so normal because I mean I was in treatment for for like five years and so I was surrounded a lot by people with other eating disorders but the thing is that something that I've also seen is people a lot of people have disordered eating that doesn't make them like have eating disorders but most people in this world have disordered eating so so I think of it as like I was telling my friend Zach one time when we were surfing I was like man I ate 12 donuts last night but I didn't drink and he was like why don't you just have a beer? (laughs) And he's right. Like, honestly, like if you're going to eat the 12 donuts, what's better for you, the beer or the donuts? But for me, 
having that beer in that moment in my life would have been just such a, like a killer yeah. to me. And I, I wanted to just use this other thing that just totally paralyzed my body, totally made me just like lethargic, felt just as hungover yeah. <laughs> the next morning surfing as you would if you drank like the 12 pack, you know, mm-hmm. beers to the face. And, and that's, it's interesting that we can get through these types of things and then talk openly about them. I think that there's a lot of people that feel uh, scared to share openly and they, they feel scared. Like there's no outlet and you know, my opinion on AI, like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like the total rebel in the crowd. Like, I don't care if you're high, if you're drunk, I want you to be there in the seats and to be filling up the rooms and everybody to be getting a good time. And I don't care about the politics. And I put personalities way before any principles that out any single person in those rooms. It's like, I, I literally, I, um, I appear before the third tradition that everyone should be able to enter into the rooms of AA if they have a desire to work on their addiction, if they have a desire to stop drinking. Um, what kind of therapy? I think that it's also kind of what you mentioned too about the whole food thing as well. Mm. Um, And then like, you know, what's better worse kind of thing. I think that's kind of like something that's very interesting that I've heard you mention with AA too, because it's like, you know, okay, well, most of us are just playing a -a whack-a-mole game of like which addiction are we going to allow into our lives and so it's like you know i think that there's a lot of ones that are somewhat more acceptable but then some that are not so acceptable and i think that it's like something that definitely at the end of the day has to come down to the individual and their own honesty and their own connection and like motivation Mm -hmm. behind things because you know it's like when i am starving myself I act and feel like I'm probably on heroin or something, Mm. you know, like I'm gone. We just want to feel something different. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, and I've even had somebody mention to me before, like, you know, if you're going to be going down this road, like, are you actually sober, you know? And so it's like, yeah, it depends on what you view it as but that's so true and i believe so valid that um like if you're gonna be in that addiction then what is sobriety really um but i really do think that channeling the addiction the quality of the addiction into other aspects of my life is how i do that and so like when i channel my addiction into surfing uh, my time spent with people or music then then that's good but if i spend too much time getting addicted to those things, they'll obviously run like crazy. You can't surf for four hours a day, but sometimes you got to, you know, you got to just overindulge. You got to just be in mother nature all day. And I know, you know, that flow when it comes to nature and just wanting to immerse yourself in it. But when I think about the rooms and what I really think, um, I, I love the idea of it just being that, if you have a desire to stop drinking, come in. But then I think at the same meeting halls, there should be a whole set of meetings at staggered times that if you have a desire to stop anything, come in. Mm -hmm. And it would be so attractive to so many people that don't realize that they have a drinking problem, you know? Yeah, and I think that's why they have other groups, you know? 
um for sure for sure yeah because i've been to a lot of like co-occurring stuff you know and it's yeah. like it just depends on you know the meeting you go to and where you're at i read one time like in bill's journal or in his biography that like once you're like four or five years into the program all you want to do is change it and take it over and uh, <laughs> manipulate all the like different things about it and i so see that with all my friends like we take so much yeah. stake in it so i can sense i'm a little triggered and like taking a lot of stake and like let's revitalize it yeah. i think it's just like you know it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't need to be revitalized. You can just take from it what you want to take from it yeah. and disregard what you don't. Yeah. Nothing actually has to change. It's just like that. It's just chilling and you can just chill with it's it. It's just a shift in the perspective. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What you want to take in and what you want to just tune out. Yeah, and I've been in just such dumps in my life and not even been sober from alcohol at the time. I had gotten sobriety and then not had it and then had it not, but I've walked into those one of those rooms in the middle of my addiction and my depression and I've walked out just a better human mm. and just been like, thank God I just was able to just go into that resource, just yeah. be like, wow, I'm here for myself. And uh, that's something that Celeste, our friend, knew really well, and that's where we uh, we met her and it's going to be cool to uh, bring some community together for her, her celebration coming up. And, and I know that the community will continue to show up for me and you as we continue to grow in AA. And I think it's like a good time to transition and start some painting as yeah. we see if David is going to make his way. And um, is there anything else that we could plug for you? Oh, any ways that we can help uh extend any favors through the podcast you have done so much for me in my life <laughs> and i've publicly told you this a little bit because it's been your uh four-year sobriety birthday and your 27th birthday during the same time because you know you always get really fucked up on your birthday so it's a great time to get sober <laughs> um but is there anything else we can do for you i'm good yeah yeah Got some tea still, so I'm pretty good. I don't know if the camera can see, but we've got Maya's. <laughs> uh, we've got Rachel's dog, Maya, and Gypsy, both at our feet. These two are absolutely the dolls and kind of like the loves of our... Oh, the loves of our lives. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I'm so happy that uh, Gypsy was able to make a friend in Maya, a dog friend. It's a big deal. Yeah. For Gypsy. Very helpful too with Maya. Gypsy Gypsy questioned her existence for a very long mm -hmm. time. And now Gypsy is definitely like <laughs> she's in the flow state. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. All right. We're back with questioning <laughs> existence with David Zafra. Oh hi. Just just about an hour and a half late for his yeah. for his time clock in. Very much so. Fresh off of seeing the new Batman movie. <laughs> like, full on. Yeah. Uh, it's been a day. It. 
Well, it's yeah, it's a beautiful thing, <laughs> but we roll with it. So we like totally changed the format of the show from one to episode to the next. Tardiness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it became the. Uh, it became now like the intro with Rachel. I think Rachel might even help me co-host now. Oh, okay. And we're just gonna like get so deep each week and like just go go deep, man. And yeah. We went, we went through some heavy topics about how to find solutions inside the darkness. Yeah. Like those really dark places that mm-hmm. we go. And I know that's like something that like, you know, a lot about, like, I yeah. feel like you're really easy to express your darkness. And, um, like, can I just ask that yeah. for the first question? What is your relationship with your, your dark side? Uh, your I, I definitely yet? lean heavily into it. I think a big source of my creativity and inspiration comes from having acceptance and exploration of that darker element of myself. Um, I think for sure I went through like some pretty bad, uh, depression and stuff like that when I was in high school and I remember watching like a lot of Woody Allen movies at the time and he was very much like existentialist uh, philosophy mixed Mm. with comedy and talking about anxiety talking about depression talking about how he really leaned into a lot of the darker elements of like life and then turned that into comedy so I think that was probably a big source of inspiration right away and some of my favorite movies were really depressing dark movies some of my favorite things it just felt like rather than try to run away from the bad feelings it made more sense to just explore them and surrender to them in a way Mm. because I think too much of what I see other people doing is trying to like to to cure it in an essence but like I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of my depression. That's just like a, it coexists with me. I just have to have like a handle on how Mm. to function well with it uh, and how to use it to my advantage to an extent. So everything that I do, like I talk about this on my podcast all the time, uh, but a big source of my motivation is my fear of death. And so Mm. me having that and accepting it and, and, and using it as a tool is the tool that I use in order to get me out of bed every day in order to, yeah. to, to create things to, to keep busy and yeah. to like make connections and all that stuff. It's all, a, it's all comes from a source of, of darkness in a way when you really, really peel back all the layers of what it is, it's, it is a lot of darkness that is the seed of all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, and let me like introduce you a little bit. Like <laughs> David's a comedian, he's mm-hmm. a podcaster, he's a yeah. father, and um you really play these different hats in all these different roles. Yeah. How do you juggle that uh when you're having a really bad day? How how can you get through that like when when the depression does hit? Yeah. Is it easy to move through those roles and juggle them or is it like something that like it, yeah. do some of those roles change a little bit? I think keeping that stuff in my life is the way that I keep a lot of that stuff at bay. Mm. So, uh, if a bad day, a very depressing day would be a day when I didn't get to do all those things, or I, I tried very hard to make stuff happen and it didn't because life has all these different ways that it can prevent you from doing stuff. So having a bunch of my time taken away from me is a big way for me to just feel just drained and, that's almost why I feel like I, if I continue and keep busy and, and, and all that, then it it does help me a lot. Um, I think 
<laughs> when I really cannot make it work out, that yeah. is when it's tough because then it feels so hopeless. And yeah. that's that's not a great feeling. I, I've been able to keep that at bay for the most part. And I think at the point that I'm at in my life now, I have most of the people in my life are telling me now, like, okay, I think you're in a good spot. You could probably just relax a little bit <laughs> yeah oh, cool, cool. so juggling all the stuff has been like a lifelong practice wow. uh or a, a like a maybe like a I, I don't know like a like a 15 year or more practice of me f- trying to do all this stuff getting good at different things feeding my passions i know at one point when i was really deep into comedy that was the majority of my obsession and if that if a situation like that derailed it where it's like, oh, I couldn't go to a show or a show got canceled or something happened in life where I couldn't perform, it felt like the end of everything. Yeah. And I think having all these different things that I can do helps a lot. Having all these different sources of like life and inspiration help yeah. so that way it's not all my focus on one thing. So, you know, if it's like, oh, if I want to go skate, but something happens, it's raining, I can't skate. Okay, that's cool. Then I'll record a podcast. Oh, I can't find a guest for the podcast. That sucks. You know, maybe I'll, uh, you know, rest in the daytime and then go do an open mic at night. Or maybe I'll just hang out with some friends or I'll have all these different things where it doesn't feel like the juggle is easier than not having the juggle, I think. And at this point in my life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's, that's really cool. I, I wonder like, when you say you have a fear of death, yeah, okay, and you say that there's this, this, possibly this, uh, the existential dread. Is that what it is? You're, yeah. you're scared. Like at the end of it all, it's going to be like, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> what are you pictured there? I don't know. I think I, sometimes I think my brain tricks me into thinking that I'm okay with it. And so I'll, I'll think about this. This actually happened at work not that long ago. I was like, okay, so then what would happen? Let's say I like live a long and healthy life and I'm an old person and then just my brain shuts off and then it's over. And then suddenly the, the thought of that just completely destroyed me I'm yeah. like oh wait no I'm not okay with that at all just the ending of it the the life turning off and then me not getting to to see what happens anymore to experience life anymore all that stuff and then it sends me into a spiral of like well okay if that's gonna happen then what are you doing to like make it all have been worth it you know wow. um wow. I think about that all the time just the the concept of I just want, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, I want something I don't even necessarily think like be remembered. That seems like too lofty of a, of a goal for me to have yeah. to like, I don't want somebody to build a statue of me or anything, no, but I like, get it. yeah, I just want is it that to because, have mattered. Is that because you're, because maybe time in the past you weren't, uh, getting as much accomplished as you really wish that you did oh, or yeah, is, for sure. are now you kind of like making up for some like things that like you you wear so many hats man like the comedian stuff yeah. is going well now like i can tell i can see it picking up drive yeah. for you i i talk to people about your podcast all the time now yeah, so at good. least in multiple friend groups mm-hmm. it's uh it's growing yeah to where people are starting to have fun and like communicate and the community that you're creating around your creativity side um where where did you harness that now mm-hmm. like when did that start kind of coming into your field again i think uh for sure i think in a way i'm trying to make up for a lot of lost time that I had growing up. Um, I was like very sheltered. My mom had this thing about like, 
us not having friends. She didn't want us to have friends because mm. she thought that would lead to, you know, bad influences and, and other things. Like one mm. of my, uh, my older brother got into like a gang and, you know, my mom blamed the friends for that, oh, you know? So she yeah. thought if they don't have friends, they won't get into trouble. They won't do all this stuff. And so she oh, really, really sheltered us, really didn't like us having friends. And it wasn't until I, I got a job that I was able to just like kind of escape from that a little bit. So I would say not until like 16 I, that I was really able to actually venture out and socialize and do more stuff. Um, and growing up, there was never a big emphasis on finding like a thing that you're passionate about or finding creativity or darn. I mean, they did have me in singing class and stuff when I was younger, but that seemed like a more attainable thing. It's like, Oh, if he's good at singing, then maybe that can lead to something you know, it, they weren't really, really thinking about it as a way of, oh, this is just like a fun way for him to like express himself. They're like, oh, yeah. if he has some ability here, maybe we can exploit that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once that didn't pan out, obviously, where it was like, well, that was a that was a waste. Like basically, that was a waste, or that was like a missed opportunity. That's a thing that you you had and it didn't work out. So then that's over now. Uh, and and so the, there was not a lot of emphasis on having hobbies or having passions or having any of that stuff. So once I was able to get that stuff for myself, I really, really like dug into it. It's like I want to learn everything that I can and do all the things that I can. And I think because I had been so sheltered and had so few friends uh, growing up, I maybe took me a long time to think, oh, maybe I have that ability to 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 have friends and to have yeah. a bigger social circle. I think for a long time, I probably didn't realize I, I'm as extroverted as I am. It feels mm. weird. I think because extroverted people kind of have a, a connotation for being like outgoing and talkative and stuff, which is not necessarily me, yeah. but for sure I need to be around people yeah. and I, I get my energy from being around people. And I, I have moments where I need to like be home and recharge, but there's, I, I'm not the kind of person that's going to feel content sitting at home, reading a book. Like mm. I, I want to be out and I want to be doing things. So, uh, yeah. for sure, it, uh, learning that kind of thing about myself, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's very interesting because yeah, and it, it definitely allows you to like understand yourself a lot more. Well, yeah. And I'm coming into like a little self-realization while I'm listening to you is cause I was on your podcast recently and it was literally just kind of like a harder time in my life. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it kept getting more intense from there. Right. You know, it's like, I wasn't even aware when I was on your podcast of where my soul would end up being two weeks later. Right. And just in like so many ways, shapes and forms. But now it's made me almost think about the whole thing. Like, I, I think I reached out cause I was depressed and I just wanted to like talk to somebody mm, and kind of relatable. be like in like a little bit of a rock star moment, you know, like, cause I'm not doing, um, I, I did a little bit of comedy in LA, but I was mainly in a band mm -hmm. and I was in bands when I was in high school and it was my performance and theater and being a thespian that right, right, I right. missed performing. So when I was on your podcast, it was literally like a little bit of therapy, a little mm. dose. And that's why I really like said, yeah, yeah I'm going to have you on my podcast next. Cause yeah. I wanted to make sure that I started doing some of those things that, I wanted to accomplish and and make sure that like you know I at least gave my shot at right 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 like what you're saying mm -hmm. and it would give my life maybe like some quality or some meaning and yeah. maybe that depression would you know kind of you know sail off a little bit mm -hmm. um, but let's let's take it back to like 
when you say that that's you now, you know, the person who's directing this podcast with me, me and him grew up in elementary school together. And so we saw a lot of different sides of our friends and now we're all older and like we, we still live with those memories and stuff. What was David like? If I just like met you at my Tri-City Christian private <laughs> oh, school, wow. like what was I looking at and stuff? And also like I made you a mushroom uh, kind of like coffee drink, but oh. it's not coffee. It's like kind of like a tea. Oh. Do you want some? Sure. Yeah, let me, go, let me go grab that real quick. <laughs> Should I let that question simmer while you grab the coffee? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you were holding it a second ago. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff right there. Yeah. Well, real quick, because you said something that I thought was really interesting before I move on to that question. Oh, but yeah, of course. You, uh, you were going through um, uh, a kind of depression phase and you had all this transformative stuff happen shortly after we had that conversation. And I think it's interesting because when we had talked, you had just gone through so much stuff. So it just seems like we're all just going through a ton of stuff all the time. But for real, like I think when now I, that stuff seems like a freaking cakewalk. Yeah. Yeah. If I could go back and I could uh, know what I know now, mm -hmm. I would have made so many decisions those next yeah. few days of existence. But, um, but it's, it's, it's like always happening. And sometimes you don't even realize it until afterwards, because I remember listening to some episodes of my old podcast when I used to do unsolicited advice with my friend, Brittany, and we'd have, talk and check in with each other pretty regularly. And I was going through some crazy dark things at the time, especially with my relationship. I mean, you can really track the deterioration of my relationship through that <laughs> podcast. It's fascinating. Oh, Cause I mean, and, but a, a part of me was so hopeful at the time because there was times where it felt like, Oh, it's better. And we figured it out and things are good now. And yeah. You know, there was a lot of things that I wasn't saying on the podcast that I can remember <laughs> tracking back, listening to that stuff. I'm like, Oh no, for sure. That's, uh, that was some bad stuff, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for Absolutely. past, past David, um, yeah. uh, for, uh, I don't know, like I was very to myself and really just weird. I didn't think, I don't think I interact, I knew how to interact with people. Mm -hmm. So the only way that I can kind of like, that I could even really have a, like engage with another person sometimes would just be to, to just be weird or say weird things or do weird stuff and try to get a reaction out of them. Oh yeah. Um, and that was a lot of me in high school, for sure. I think um, for a big chunk of my life, I got very easily annoyed by people's shallowness or people's uh, what I perceived as shallowness or what I perceived as negative things about a person. So I would very, very easily cut a person off entirely for the smallest things. Yeah, It took me a long time to kind of be more patient and to learn how to like accept people for what I thought were flaws, which I don't yeah. even, I, I don't even think I think that way anymore. You know, I remember yeah. getting into an argument with a friend one time just cause I was annoyed that she liked reality TV <laughs> and I made her cry oh. for that. And yeah. that's the kind of thing I was like, I yeah. definitely would not do that now. Yeah, 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 I definitely yeah. would be way yeah. less judgmental I mean, about something like teenage, that. Teenage angst is a uh, hard liquor to swallow. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of teenage angst, man. I had like, a ton of teenage yeah, angst that yeah. carried on over. It definitely yeah. uh, spilled into my early twenties for yeah. sure. I, I, for some reason, I think the light was kind of shining on me in high school. Like, I feel like I made it out too easily mm. to jump 
from different roles. Like, I wanted to be a water polo player. Then I was like, no, fuck the jock. I'm going to be, like, a thespian, and mm. I'm going to get really into musical theater. And I was able to, like, make these weird transitions to these groups um, more seamlessly. Now, when I make those things, and now when I put effort into things, dude, it's like you said, like, I thought I had all this shit on my bucket, and then all these other things we have to go through, and... That's kind of like what all this stuff builds up into. So we, we build these new hobbies. We build these new creative things. And then they fall apart eventually, you know, just like the family structure of the family gets all built together just to watch the dog die and then the grandma die and these people. And it's that it's that constant knowingness. What then, like, gives us that purpose, like what 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 is our purpose mm-hmm. of that because like do we just build just to like fall back down and well i mean if you're asking somebody who's an existentialist like myself <laughs> then i'm going to say that there's no purpose to anything yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah of course we're going life through this life is meaningless <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah we it, well, for what purpose? For the purpose that you want it to, because we are existing right now. And so living in this existence, you know, it, it's it's all it's it's all important because it's all just happening here and now. And yeah, I, that's all you have. That's all you have yeah. to live for. And really, despite whether there's a, a reason to any of it, we all affect each other. And there is like a butterfly effect to like all of our decisions that we make. That's just true. There's no spiritual aspect to that at all. Literally any little decision that you made in your life or somebody else made could have dominoed into a completely different life for anybody. And so, Mm. but this is the one that we have. This is the one that we have that we're existing in. And so what are we going to do with it? I, everybody has a different way of dealing with that question. And the way that I deal (laughs) with it is to to try to do my best to be a good person and to make connections with people. Yeah. No. And that shines through, bro. Like, I mean, as one male to another, I mean, (laughs) it doesn't matter if I was male, female, uh, I, whatever. Yeah. It's like, I can see that you shine through and like that you're a good human man and that you're trying to like make an effort. And I love that. Um, man, I had a really good thing in my head. It's going to come up, uh, here in a second, but while I wait for that memory to evolve itself, um, when, when you're looking for your comedy routine and you're looking at your life and you're, you're trying to take examples from your life Mm -hmm. and make fun of them that is an outlet that me and me and Rachel's conversation earlier was really based off of outlets and like how to get out of that, um, deep, dark depression that could make you just totally forfeit yourself. Mm -hmm. And like, I know you're actually saying like, I'm going to go up there and tell people about (laughs) what's going on. And Rachel, one of the things she taught me is if I speak it, it takes away the power. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you're you're uh, taking away the power, and then you're putting it back in power, using it into your comedy. So what's that? What's that look like on the brain? It's um, it's gotten to the point where I couldn't not do it. So I, I've had this conversation with people in the past about creative people and artists, and and how sometimes people say something like, "Well, if you love it, then you should keep doing it." But I don't love comedy all the time. Mm. I fucking hate it sometimes. 
most of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the reason that I do it is because I can't not do it. So yeah. at this point, you know, one of the things actually that happened when, when I had my divorce was like, oh man, that's like, that's like five minutes of material right there that I can't do anymore because I had so many <laughs> jokes about marriage and like, what am I going to do? Like, I, yeah. I just wrote new jokes. <laughs> uh, I just wrote jokes about divorce and I wrote jokes about like stuff that happened to me afterwards. So it's just like, yeah, my whatever thing that I, my brain automatically will turn certain things into material, whether I want it to or not. And I'm yeah. not that prolific of a writer either. I come up with a couple of new bits, a couple of new minutes every once in a while. And I throw a lot of stuff away because I don't, I don't know. I'm picky about uh, some, some bits. So um, it's not a thing that's always going, but for sure there's plenty of times where like uh, a certain opportunity presented itself in a way where this is the thing that's happening in my life. So I'm thinking about it a lot. And so then I, I can't almost not write something about it. I yeah. feel like it needs to be even, yeah. even if it's like a one line. Yeah. Sometimes I'll a dollar takes. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the getting on stage and the, the saying what's going on inside your deepest thoughts and like you're, you're letting everybody know and then you're like, come on, laugh at me. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> if, like that takes guts, man. And it's yeah. like, um, you missed the beginning of the podcast where Rachel told us that she, uh, she is working as a nude model for the artists at Miracosta. Oh, okay. Okay. And that's some people. Oh, was that back fence? Oh, Palomar. Um, and back fence society shout out. I remember <laughs> that spot. That's a good spot. Um, the, uh, that same like ah shocker you're like right in front of everybody that's got to also kind of feel that way when you're letting everybody know mm -hmm. like kind of who david is yeah. like kind of what david thinks what he's been through and then how he's gonna make fun of it yeah like, in front of a crowd of people yeah yeah what's that like Wait, it, is that a good release is that a, a humility uh, uh what, what, humbling yeah. release i mean i think what's interesting about it is um i think some the way that some people think about oh it must be so brave to get up there because i couldn't do it or i couldn't do this um it that that element it i think people people maybe misunderstand where the true terror of it comes from. Uh, at least because from my experience, what I'm good at is like, well, I can't play an instrument. You know, I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't do this other than, you know, I, I don't have certain skills, but what I do have is the ability to self-reflect and speak on it in a way that's entertaining to people. Cause there's plenty of people that are probably funnier than me. Yeah, I don't think I'm not, that's I'm like, not, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm like the funniest person in life. Like there's probably plenty of people that are like always joking around, making people laugh, telling hilarious mm -hmm. stories. That's not my skill. My skill is very like, um, yeah, constructing a thing in a very specific format yeah. in order to make someone laugh in this context. Yeah. And you and like hard truths, right? I like to keep, to keep it, things very like, uh, uh, um, autobiographical for the most part. So, yeah. um, most of the stuff that I, I talk about is true. Uh, so that me talking about myself and doing all this stuff, like I do that, all, I do that on podcast. I do that through the long story, short storytelling show that they do once a month. Um, I used to do it when we did improv, we used to do this thing called a living room and we would just tell stories to each other. And I would talk about a lot of personal stuff on there. And I, I've always done it in my stand up, but the, the real, the real terror of sharing stuff is not, Oh, people are going to know. 
because I would probably be telling them anyways. Yeah. Uh, the the real terror in sharing that kind of stuff is if you do a really vulnerable bit and nobody's paying attention or nobody laughs at it. Yeah. And that can happen even after you've already developed oh. your material. If it's just a bad show or a bad night. Yeah, man. And that is brutal to be up there trying to like make light of your failed relationship and have nobody care or pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate it to like uh, writing a song about a girl that in high school and then her not coming to the show Oh, and it just be like, no, yeah, yeah, the yeah. song just doesn't land as hard. Right. 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 Uh, if, if uh, the person that you wrote about isn't right there. Mm-hmm. Um, dude. Yeah. Such an interesting, uh, life that you live and <laughs> These characters that now you're bringing out of people in the friends that I have here in Oceanside is hilarious. How do you get together for this improv stuff and put on that teacher hat where then you're showing people that like they can make fun of themselves sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good space to hold. It's almost like you're like shamaning them into your comedian <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's like, but, but I really love the improv and mm-hmm. if you could tell us a little bit about like what, what drove you to get involved in that again at an adult age? Um, well, improv, uh, um, was like a like a like a light for me in a time when I was going through like basically the the death of my stand up career at the time. I was very over stand up at the time. I didn't like it anymore. I really was contemplating quitting and and that's all I had at the time. I had very few yeah. hobbies or anything outside of that at the time. Yeah. Um I think I was doing a podcast maybe, but uh mainly just interviewing comedians. So mm-hmm. for stand up was everything for me um i used to do uh like a youtube series where i interviewed uh comedians at open mics and talked about like the different shows and different comedians and different aspects of being a comedian so really even the creative stuff that i was doing outside of stand-up was still rooted in talking to other stand-up comedians and interacting with other stand-up comedians and so yeah uh i stumbled on into improv through my friend uh, Jake Dishroon, who kind of had left stand up to start doing improv. And um, I really didn't think that I would be good at it because yeah. I always looked at improvisers and they were always like laughing, having a good time, dancing, and just being so free spirited yeah. and silly. And, you know, I'd and go to like. They're such big personalities when they walk in the room. It's yeah. like, whoa, that person really wants to like play yeah. some dodgeball. Well, like. <laughs> Warm up for an improv show would be me and all my friends that were my improv team. We'd all get together and we'd play a bunch of games and we'd laugh and we'd mess around. And, you know, when we used to do shows, we'd, we'd warm up on the roof of this improv theater. And so there's just like 20 improvisers up there just being dumb and just doing silly things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to a comedy show, um, I'm not talking to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm by myself and then I'm doing my set and then I'm stepping outside and hanging out in yeah. a circle with all the comedians in the parking lot. Yeah. Like we're just so, I don't know, different in some yeah. ways. Um, so I didn't think that I'd be able to be an improviser at all. And it took me some time to really like figure out how to make it work for myself it's and like then once I, your left side of your brain yeah, or something very much so yeah it's the skills yeah. are there but i just they just needed to be unlocked 
Yeah. And there and once I figured it out, then it really saved me in some difficult times in my life. Uh, and also my improv team, us all coming together and doing improv together uh, was like some of the best times in my life as well. So yeah. once I discovered how much improv can be a medicine, I was very much like, I need to share this with people. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I don't know. Medicine. I think it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, big I time. Love that. Medicine I love for the that. soul. Medicine for the soul. <laughs> What's your medicine routine? What like uh uh, uh two doses of zip zap zap every morning? <laughs> zip zap zap every morning. No, I wish yeah. I wish I could do improv well, more often, you know. Now, now I remember that uh big question that I had in the past that okay. I that I uh you know Matthew and his short term memory loss. <laughs> Must have been all the concussions. But um so we were talking about fear of death earlier. Oh yeah. And so you were saying that you don't think that there's a purpose and then, you know, you kind of know my little thing is like that we're, there's a light bulb mm -hmm. and then what, what happened is somebody put a big globe over <laughs> it and they poked all these little holes in it. Okay. And the holes that are streaming out of that light is you and me and Corey and Rachel right now. Okay. And the only thing is if we get too focused on our linear light and we forget about that giant giant ball of light that's in there in the background, mm -hmm. then we're fucked right, right, because right. we're just going to end up being that light and that light is eventually going to dissipate into the right. darkness. But if we remember that we're all connected to the inner source of the web or the queen bee or like whatever that is, <laughs> like that source, you can call yeah. it the Tao, you can call it right. Gaia, you know, some people say that you access it through Jesus, but it's like the Holy Spirit right, in right, Christianity. Right. And that, that thing, so like when you die, there's this meaningful existence that you possibly carry on and you carry on in like a different symptom or being, or you go off and you learn more lessons or reincarnate through right. a lot of different people's personal beliefs. But for me in my soul, it almost seems attractive. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like, mm, like this like warm, fuzzy place. <laughs> of just like, if you, if you die, then all of a sudden, like you get to learn all your lessons from earth. Yeah. And then possibly you're not under this earthly spell of not knowing anything about like what's to come. Maybe yeah. all of a sudden you achieve full knowledge that, you know, we are all connected. What, what is your base type when it comes to that, like religious background or give me any baloney. If it's like, do you go to a tarot card reader on the weekends? I'm very, I'm very not anything when it comes yeah. to that. Uh, which is so funny because the people that fully I'm agnostic, <laughs> fully atheist for sure. Atheist. I'm more into philosophy than I am into spirituality for sure. Nice. Um, like so, Freud. It, uh, is he into that? Yeah. Um, I, I, it's funny because I did like I, I I somehow ended up in the in a in a sea of people that are not that way at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for the yeah. most part, I have a you know. Um, but it's cool though. I mean, cause that, the artists are like that. Creative people are like that. They're going to try to come up with things because there's something about the, us making sense of life that yeah. of course yeah. it's going to attract that certain type of people. Um, but for so, me, I'm very much yeah. not anything. So when people talk about certain things like that, I'm like, that sounds like a great story, but I don't know if there's any 
way to to prove that that's the case or not. So have you tried psilocybin mushrooms? I just did mushrooms uh, like two weekends ago. <laughs> okay, okay, tell me about that. How was your mushroom trip, David? It was very mellow. Um, we didn't take a ton, um, partly because it was my friend Daisy, so I shouldn't say her name on this <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my friends first times doing Diplo. it and so i didn't um want to like have her be overwhelmed she was already kind of scared about it so we all just kind of split like a small amount it was a very mellow high um one friend did do more than the rest of us and so she really like let it out she let the emotions mm. out she cried a lot yeah you know? oh beautiful yeah beautiful. but it was it was just a nice mellow trip i didn't have anything mm. too intense it was very mm. much um we went up to big bear and i was just sitting outside listening to the sound of the wind and just appreciating that yeah just I, that well, was my I favorite sense part your calmness you know gypsy's like tearing apart her toy next to you and it's not <laughs> even bothering you but like so when you like when you say that you guys like tripped have you ever like taken a really really large amount to where you've kind of been like in a coma like oh no yeah yeah, yeah. uh not too I, and that's why i don't uh go that deep in to it most of the time yeah i like a more a little uh, bit more of a mellow yeah, a mellow yeah. shroom we, trip <laughs> we, you were deep uh so if i was ever deep into a mushroom trip the only thing that really saved me was that oh wait like it was like this like feeling of this interesting connectedness right and it's like i wouldn't say that i mean as a heavy lsd user right as one of the people who have taken more lsd and our community than most of our friends, I think. Um, and, and that's like not over exaggerating. I don't think, and still been able to run my business and still be able to right. move through some of my parts and get sober from alcohol and whatnot. I feel like when these, these like chemicals push us into this existence, there is this um, interconnected like life behind the veil. Have you noticed that? That there's like this energy or something that's like going on that like we might not see completely. Like when you're on <laughs> when you're on your little psychedelic trips. Like have, right. have you ever like? Do if, you know what I'm talking about? I, I kind of do. If I did have any experience like that, I you don't want to know what I'm talking about. I can tell. I I if I did have any similar experience to that, once I was not tripping anymore i would probably think oh well i was just having my brain chemistry altered by this particular substance oh, and so that okay. is what it is okay. um for any of the stuff that people talk about yeah. truly i just am not i'm not even like a denier but yeah. i'm just not convinced yeah. um whatever thing explanation people have for anything is equally as credible as the next thing that somebody came up with yeah, you so you really got one life to live <laughs> you really got one life to live at that point yeah i mean to me it, it, it's whatever way that people want to prescribe certain beliefs it, you know we've always since the beginning of time have been trying to come up with explanations for why things happen where we come from why we're here um and as time goes on people you know think oh well that was silly we don't believe that anymore mm. and so um to me I, I i don't know i i like that we have so much information already that to me the world is fascinating enough that i can't really get into a lot of like the supernatural spiritual stuff because 
I am already so fascinated by all the things that we do know and how amazing that is when people talk oh. about how we're made of stardust. That's very poetic. But when you think about it, what does that mean? What is stardust? Stardust is just atoms. And we are made out of atoms. Mind, yeah. Um, and to me, that's amazing. I mean, I put a tattoo of the solar system made up of atoms oh, on my arm. <laughs> so like... There's a, uh, this is actually a, a helium atom. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> I don't know if you can see face. it. Um, there's there a helium is. atom <laughs> inside of the sun because the way that uh, uh, the stars are created is that um, a hydrogen is like pushed together into um, such high pressure that eventually it does fusion, which is turning hydrogen to helium. And then when a star gets bigger, it's because the helium starts to get so compressed that eventually the helium becomes carbon. Yeah. And then eventually it goes and goes and goes until stars explode. And then that's when, when these supernovas happen is just these atoms and, and elements are scattered across the yeah. universe, creating more and more things as it continues. That's already so interesting to me that I can't even... Like, I don't even need an explanation for Beautiful. it. The fact that we know that blows my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. And and I get it. I get it. Um, I go back to my most ancient forms of magic and I go back to the Kabbalah and the Kabbalah is one of the best magic books. And I recommend the Kabbalion if anybody is soul searching and trying to find <laughs> their way. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're agnostic. It doesn't matter if you're about Jesus Christ. It, that book everyone should at least try to read some of these books that are just about pushing your consciousness to the um, adaptation of where you're at, David, mm -hmm. and where I'm at. And like the understanding of um, that, that it doesn't really actually matter is what the Kabbalah says. Mm. It, it is all unknown. There actually is no legitimacy or permanency uh, to this. So the best thing to do is to try to figure out your lessons and to just live this out yeah. and just try to find, find what's next. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, thanks for, uh, making it to our show, uh, an hour and a half late. <laughs> uh, if, if everybody saw it, David called somebody out for, for standing him up on Instagram and it sounds like it's a little bit more uh, drama than, it's him, the, him it's getting three <laughs> three of my friends to wait around for for an hour and a half, but uh, I'm just kidding. It wouldn't have been a first time podcast without it, right? Because we really like made something here, yeah. And it's really cool. I think you'll really enjoy listening to Rachel. Uh, I look forward to interview it. before yours. Is there anything that you need from <laughs> us, or any ways that the people who are going to listen to this can? help support you or or uh you know when's your next comedy show well okay so <laughs> you know. since we touched on a little bit i did do i did post something on instagram oh yeah sorry <laughs> i like i'm always trying to like avoid what i actually said um yeah. <laughs> which is mainly just i'm i'm doing uh i'm putting on a show i'm doing a show on the 18th i don't know if this will be out by then or not yeah. march 18th i'm putting on a show it's a variety show cool. and so i've reached out to a couple people here and there about being on the show and this has happened to me, not just this time, but other times that I've tried to organize events. I'll reach out to somebody and then they'll straight up say nothing in response. Yeah. And that's fine if you can't do it, but I just like would like to know if you can't. So that way I can move on and book other people for the act. Yeah. Um, 
and that happens with guests for the podcast sometimes too. I'll be like, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And then they just never get back to me. Oh, uh, see, I thought it was a completely different situation. No, no, I no. thought like somebody didn't want to like even respond to your message about the podcast after being on your podcast. Oh, well, I that was, was another like, thing. That was a secondary thing is that there's been times throughout the time that I've recorded podcasts that I'll have a person be on the show and then they don't even like share it when the episode comes out. Yeah, like what the hell is that? Like I, I get ghosted like that in my yeah. uh, life sometimes too. Yeah. And it's like those people don't end up really uh, crushing that same aspect of what they're doing. You can see where it's like, that person still just needs to like um, be encouraged a little more in those. Yeah, areas. I think in particular instances they have like a a relatively large following in comparison to us or to me, and so uh, I don't know if it's like to that's why I was just kind of like, uh, dude, yeah. you're not so fucking famous and cool that you can't just say, hey, I can't do this episode or I can't record or I can't be on the show. Oh, you know, I'm coming from my little like other brain that says like, man, how do we? How do we make amends to this person? I guess I guess it ends up like, you know, you're just going to have to just like see. Maybe this guy's going to reach out tomorrow and just be like, hey, it, it, bro, sorry, I've been doing my thing. It's not necessarily a singular then, thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're just saying like, so, so what you would like to see more is consistency in artistry when it comes to like people showing up. And I like. No, this is the thing is I've heard other people talk about, you know, artists supporting artists or like, you know, yeah. if your friend has a business, you should buy from them and this and okay. that. I don't even think that okay. I don't even, I think we get busy and you know, people have their own things going on. I don't expect my friends to come to my shows all the time because yeah. they've seen me a bunch of times already. It's like, okay, whatever. It's not a big deal. If you've never seen me perform before, yeah. that's probably an issue. I've been yeah. doing stand up for like nine years. Yeah. So if you've never seen me perform, that's probably a problem, but I'm not expecting anybody to come. I don't, I have a show on the 18th. If you don't come, I'm not offended. You don't even have Ooh. to give me a reason. Nothing. There's no reason for anybody to, I don't, I don't get upset if none of my 18. friends come to my shows. It, I just don't think that way. But uh, I think one thing that I did pick up from stand up is, you know, there's like a grind mentality. You know, nobody's trying to get paid for anything yet because you have to put in the work in order to even think that way. You know, mm. it's like you you have to like tough it out for a long time before you get to that spot where you can um, even expect that kind of support or anything from anybody you know I, I just think there's a like a big emphasis on just like doing the shittiest shows and being on the mics performing for no people doing all this stuff putting all this work and I don't always see it with all the other art forms unfortunately and maybe it's just because they think differently about artistry than I do but you know it's just frustrating when I I can't even get a person to just say oh I can't do it mm. <laughs> Straight up. So, so the moral of the story is though too. This this came up recently. Um, so, like, this is the thing, guys. Like, uh, these people that are like uh, offing themselves in our friend groups, they're reaching out beforehand, and uh, we're ghosting them. There's a lot of us, and that's like why we're feeling really guilty right now. Mm. Um, you know, we all have a lot of guilt over the people that like we weren't really there for, but. Even my friend was saying, you know, it it doesn't take that much to just reach out to your homie and to just let him know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it doesn't mean that it's your fault also. It's your, we, we all have to have boundaries back and forth. So just, I think for like my message to people is like, check in with yourself. Let, let people off the hook. Yeah. That you can't commit to. 
But the people that you do love, just try to like follow through with the process of just spending time. Um, it's something that me and my friend Corey and Tony and Garrett all had to go through as a friend group. Mm. Um, we were all best friends when we were growing up, but then we had all lost touch with each other. And then we had to like then build these social skills again to where we could all link up. And mm. now we go on these four guy dates <laughs> every year and we do it for our birthdays now mm. and we do it for all these things. And it takes effort. But I t will tell you, I thought all four of us, were super depressed because I was depressed. Mm. And then when I got to see all four of us together, we all started vibing together that I saw that depression or that kind of like heavy glow our first mm -hmm. time dissipate by the like five minutes. And like, right. cause like, we're just so excited to see each other. We don't care what we have going mm -hmm. on in our work week or anything because we're following through too. Mm -hmm. So like, I think um, that's a really good way to like end it that like, We've got a couple more months until the summer hits. Even the summer's not a like hot time for people mm -hmm. sometimes. So everybody like say what's up to your friends, you know, <laughs> call them out. Yeah. Call in, you know, and uh, how do we get a hold of you? How do we figure out who you are? The best way to find out what's going on in my life is through Instagram. I'm on uh, David Zafra one on Instagram and uh, that's where I post all the stuff that's happening in my life. I try to be uh, semi-active on there. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're great. You you're know, great if, I, if I'm going to start some drama, I'm going to do it through my Insta stories. <laughs> I share way too much on my socials and everybody knows it. I know. I've been, like, I've been <laughs> contemplating being even more so that way, but I don't know if it's worth it. You know, sometimes it feels nice to call people out for stuff through <laughs> through Instagram. But yeah, I yeah. probably won't be doing that. Yeah. But I will be I post about my shows on there. And of course, um improv is back. And yeah. if people want to come out to that, I'm gonna try to do that as regularly well, as I can. What's the next date for improv? The, it's gonna be March twenty first at cool. Flourish and Live Well cool. and hopefully continues to go there because it right. seems like it's a good spot. So okay. if the guy can, wants me there, then I'll try to be there in right April and so on and so on until people stop coming, I guess. Right on, right on guys. Donations uh greatly appreciated for yes. David's hard earned uh improv skills <laughs> uh thank you so much for tuning into our podcast we are sponsored today by oceanside surf school brain mind clothing canine consciousness if you want to get involved with our podcast all you got to do is get involved with our podcast <laughs> that's it for now spread love spread hope if you gotta do spread your shit <laughs> Well, here we have Rachel's beautiful painting for episode one. And wow, it's so cool. So the whole time we were interviewing David, as you could see, she was channeling the two of ours energy into this lovely masterpiece. And I feel like I can see like faces and eyes and all sorts of things. It's, it's kind of all over the place, kind of like this episode, Corey. Yeah, I've been yeah. over here this whole time, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> little sneaky sneak. Yeah, I'm just doing it. It has been, sneak. it's been a lot going on, I think, but I mean, I think like a lot of important topics were covered. And like, honestly, yeah. it seemed to unfold kind of like a therapy session. Yeah. In certain ways. Yeah, it was interesting because I was thinking that we should be like sponsored by like a therapy outlet or something because we talked about a yeah. lot of different tools for people that are like 
hurting and like kind of going through their spots, mm-hmm. but just also like how we get out of those spots. And yeah, it, it like made it deeper. And then it, I don't know, I felt relaxed by the end of it. I kind of felt like it was Definitely. like, thank you for doing this. Of course. This is so much work for you. Yeah. And for me, it's like all fun. Well, I have all the, the tools here to make it easy on myself. Yeah. Well, you're awesome, Corey. You're awesome, man. Ah, man. You're doing a great thing here. This is cool, man. I feel like this is a project that uh, is going to help us do some good and help people get some resources and create some community in the right way around uh, the city of North County. Yeah. Oceanside, Carlsbad. It's early days. Encinitas. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, baby. All right.